What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, we've been through the odds and ends of 1972, and now it's time for the main event, the top 50 albums of 1972. As I pondered the question at the start of this particular series for this particular year. Seeing a lot of people say this is the greatest year ever for rock and roll and or for music in general. So let's find out. You be the judge, I'll be the judge. We'll all be judges, we'll all judge. We all insist on our opinions, but let's let the music do the talking. As far as I'm concerned, these are the top 50 albums of 1972. There may be some stuff missing that you might like or at least have heard of from this year. I listen to a lot of stuff, so these are the best albums. You're going to hear a lot of different styles of music, and if you have access to a list of albums that came out in 1972, I bet you could figure out the spoiler. I bet you could figure out the number one. But if you don't want to do that, come along with me on this journey, and let's have some fun. Let's see what we get into here. And my little disclaimer... As, you know, I don't need new friends, but I, you know, I don't want people mad at me or trolling for bad reviews and star ratings and bad algorithms. That's for other shitty podcasts to deal with and their karma. But when I do the point ranking system to kind of determine the order of things as it kind of turns into with like the first 10 to 20, they pretty much are around the same point system. So I basically ranked these on the what I'm maybe more likely to re-listen to sooner than later. So that's kind of how I do it. And we get into some perfect albums in that top 10. And it gets really hard to rank them once I get into there. Basically, once we get to about, you know, halfway through, then it gets real, real, real. But let's enjoy some good music all the way through this countdown. Starting off with number 50. This is a weird one right here. I could have put this on the odds and ends as well. I probably should have because it's half an odds and ends, but there's also a full studio album attached to it. There's no other record like this in the year 1972, so I got to give it up for these guys. I've always referred to this band as the most British band of all time. Absolutely the most British band ever in the sense of it's punk rock because they felt no need to appeal to anywhere else but their home country. And that is the Kinks. So much respect to them. They put out an album called Everybody's in Show Business on August 25th, 1972. It was self-produced because Ray Davies produced the album. So why is it half of an odd and end? Well, the first album on the two album set 
is all new studio tracks, and then the second album in the set are all live tracks from a two-night stand at Carnegie Hall in New York City. So, yeah, it's half of a live album and half of a brand new album entirely. Pretty wild. Like I said, there's nothing like it in this year of 1972. And it's not a phenomenal record, but I, as neat as the concept is, but I will say it will probably be forever known now for two particular songs on the album. One of them is the song Supersonic Rocketship, which was the first single off the record. If you go back and listen to this album, you may recognize it as being used in the Avengers Endgame movie. And that's during the scene where they go out to Europe and convince Thor to rejoin the Avengers. So you, you will recognize that song from being from that if you are of a certain age. That was really the first time I took a lot of notice of it. So there you go. But I'm going to go with this one right here. And it's the obvious song from the record, in my opinion, but it's the best song. Sort of a pseudo-title track, because the title of the album is referenced in the lyrics of this song. The song has been covered quite a bit, but it's a really good, next-level, well-written song. It's just really good. Tragic, even, but still very good. So we're going to kick off the countdown in a weird way right here, but with a great song. So to represent the album Everybody's in Showbiz... This is the Kinks with Celluloid Heroes. Covered him with garbage, George. 
top 50 albums of 1972 in a great way with the kinks and yeah i do agree that's probably more of a closer it even works that way on the album but that was our opening track for the day celluloid heroes by the kinks from everybody's in showbiz more often than not i'm usually annoyed by what i call reference songs just name dropping for the sake of getting a pop 
Life in a Northern Town is that song for me. I'm not a big fan of that song because I feel like it just tugs too much on the obvious. But that one works for me because it's such a tragic song in a way. So I think it works and it's not a hacky reference song like a lot of those songs I could mention. But let's move on here. Album number 49. This is a good one right here. I mean, everything on this countdown is decently top order. We're into like the three quarters good for my opinion. So that does make it a pretty strong year. But continuing on here with the great Bill Withers. I don't think Bill's ever been on this show ever. I feel like maybe once could be. Who knows? But I like Bill. Bill is massively pleasant. Might be, and I, I don't mean this in any kind of disparaging way, probably the greatest middle-of-the-road soul singer ever. <laughs> because, like, I've long said that Bill Withers, his music, it's, it doesn't try to be anything that he's not. And that's worthy of applause. He's not fronting at all. Like, at a time where it's social injustice, you know, the exploitation thing is huge right now, but this is strictly soul music for middle-class people, in a sense. And that's just... Uh, some people may call that vanilla, but you know what? Bill Withers, his success definitely was justified. Good talent, good voice, of course. Just, you know, in that Lou Rawls sense, you know, smooth as shit. And arguably maybe his best album, Still Bill, came out in May of 1972. A bunch of producers attached to this one, so I guess maybe just different producers on different songs. But Bill Withers himself has a co-production credit on here along with Bernocci Blackmon. James Gadson, Melvin Dunlap, and Ray Jackson. And even if people don't know the name Bill Withers offhand, they know a handful of Bill Withers songs. Everybody knows these songs. The most popular song easily on this album is Lean On Me. I don't need to play it. We could all sing it right now a cappella and, and barely miss a beat or a word or anything. It's a classic. It's greatness for sure. I'm going to go with this one right here, though. Also a single off the record. This was the second release single, and it did pretty well, actually. And to this day, of course, if you buy a Best of Bill Withers, this will definitely be on it. It'd be invalid if it wasn't. So to represent the Still Bill album, this is the man, Bill Withers, right here with Use Me. Uh-huh. 
Bill Withers right there with Use Me from his album Still Bill. And we continue on here with the countdown, the number 48 record of 1972. According to me, something by The Meters right here. The Meters is one of those bands I feel like a lot of people have read about them over the years or even just seen them pop up here and there when it came time to nominating bands for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or see them on hipster lists and stuff like that. But Meters definitely are a really, really, really good band. One of New Orleans' finest bands. And just hit upon a time where the hybrid style was really coming into fruition. This jazz funk combo right here and throwing in that Creole influence definitely gave them their own identity. And this album's enjoyable enough. Maybe not as good as their earlier albums. I would definitely recommend their earlier stuff over this one. But Cabbage Alley, as bad as that name is, it's a pretty damn good record. There's no Hey Pocky Away or something that's just like next level... This is in my favorite songs of all time list kind of songs. But yeah, I need to point this out. I'm in countdown mode. Let's get into countdown mode here. This album came out on May 11th, 1972. Co-produced by Marshall Sahorn and band member Alan Toussaint, who is a Hall of Famer locally and nationally. That guy was next level. That guy is so great, he even has a street named after him. So there you go. (laughs) But yes, here is my favorite song off of Cabbage Alley. This is the album opener. This is You've Got to Change, You've Got to Reform.
Coming in at number 38 right there with an album called Cabbage Alley. That was the meters. That was You Got to Change, You Got to Reform. Definitely a song of the times. But honestly, it's a song of today as well. Here's another true talent. I was talking about Alan Toussaint on that last segment. This guy right here. What a freaking talent. What a renaissance man in the history of rock and roll. Not just him, but his late brother as well. Edgar Winter. We talked about Edgar Winter during the odds and ends. I played a song from Edgar Winter's White Trash. And, you know, Edgar Winter Group, 1972, definitely at its peak right here. It's the first official Edgar Winter Group album. And they came out firing with this album right here. They only come out at night. Came out in November of 72. Produced by band member Rick Derringer. And then right there, at the Edgar Winter Group, this is it just a murderer's row of talent. You know, main eventing this band, Edgar Winter, of course, who plays about a dozen things on this record. And for a Prince guy, you know, that's that's going to impress me automatically. But the guy's been known to be a great band leader over the years and a ranger and works with a lot of people that you may not even realize. But you got Edgar right there, Ronnie Montrose on lead guitar, and Rick Derringer also on guitar. And he, I think he plays some bass on this record. And for Rick, we know him as a guy that sings and plays guitar. He's not even the lead singer on this record. Dan Hartman is. Dan Hartman, one of the great singers ever. Also a great writer in his own right. So it's a ridiculously great, talented band. So it's no surprise that they turned in this killer record right here. Featuring the two biggest hits of Edgar Winter's career. Which will be the all-time cruising classic, Free Ride. And of course, the one of the greatest instrumentals ever in Frankenstein. I'm not going to play either of those because you could turn on the radio right now and hear those songs. Nothing against them at all. And honestly, Frankenstein, just one of the killer tracks ever. You got to really go look up the clip of Edgar Winter Group playing Frankenstein on the Old Grey Whistle Test. You can see the absolute monster talent of that band, but Edgar especially, who's just playing all the instruments around everybody. But yes, let's play this one right here. Maybe you haven't heard this song before. And it's a real fun one right here. Uh, You know, not just in title, but, you know, it works on that level as well. The song is called We All Had a Real Good Time.
That's some true, true classic rock right there with the Edgar Winter Group from the album They Only Come Out at Night. Killer, killer stuff right there. And a true statement of a song title. We all had a real good time. Like I said, great musicians, but as Zappa once said, no one gives a fuck if they're good musicians. They just want to hear the song. And that that is the truth. A good musicianship does help. It helps it along, but the song is where it's at and a group like that knows that understands that and they had both things going for them very well so yes go check out that album if you've never done that before moving on here to the first motown entry here on the countdown and definitely not the last via the undisputed truth uh, for a long time kind of the deep cut in the motown conversation at least on the popular tip but i feel like their status has kind of grown over the years they're kind of you know, they almost kind of have that cool indie feel to them because they weren't huge superstars. They were not household names. And I remember getting like a Motown comp years ago and going like, wow, what's that? And it was Undisputed Truth doing that song, Smiling Faces Sometimes. That's their big signature song. And that's usually the only song that's on a comp like that. So over the years, I've been curious about this band. And anytime I've listened to anything by them, it's always proven to be interesting stuff. And I'm glad I listened to it, especially this one right here. Their sophomore album called Face to Face with the Truth came out the top of the year here in January of 72, produced by their collaborator Norman Whitfield, who... Because of that association, of course, being a Motown and Motown being kind of the incestuous company that it is as far as their catalog goes. You'll hear a lot of these songs that they've recorded wind up on Temptations albums and vice versa. And that happened a lot throughout the entire label. You'll find versions that you maybe you didn't know existed if you dive into some of these records where it's like an obvious song that's being covered by a band on the Motown roster. Like the closing track on this album is a cover of What's Going On. <laughs> and a couple of songs that were already known as Temptation songs are on this record as well. So like I said, it's kind of all over the place, but like I said, really dig the record enough to make it up to number 36 here on the countdown. And if you're deep enough on the temps, you'll know this one right here, but it was a highlight of the record for me. This is their version of Superstar. Remember how you got where you are.
Coming in at number 36 right there, face-to-face with the truth, the undisputed truth. That was Superstar, mostly known as a Temptation song, but I really like that version. And kind of an early diss track for the Temptations. That was a dig at an ex-member at the time. So yeah, anyway, there's a whole... If you've seen the Temptations miniseries movie over and over again, Tarantino style, like I have over the last couple of decades, then you know all about it. But if you've never seen that Temptations miniseries, you should definitely watch it. Okay, maybe we'll get at least an Undisputed Truth documentary. Maybe there's one out, and I don't know about it. If you know about one, let me know. Okay, but moving on here, but sticking with the soul, coming in at number 35... Easily the jazziest thing on my list. I'm not a big jazz guy. I can be jazz adjacent. I have a couple of jazz records. But I'm not like, yeah, you know. But hybrid stuff every now and then will get me. There's jazzy stuff, of course, in Zappa's catalog. So I'd be a hypocrite if I just tossed these records aside. But this one right here is not what I expected. It is highly experimental from what I was expecting. I expected kind of a full-on, like funky kind of vibe kind of thing and while it's funky for sure it's definitely jazzier than i thought it was going to be but it doesn't make it a bad record and it definitely has a status for a reason and you see it on a lot of greatest album lists and stuff like that but but it got in here at number 45 on the top 50 albums list i think i said a few 30s here i'm totally fucking wrong about that just to recap number 50 is the kinks number 49 is bill withers Number 48 is The Meters. Number 47 is Edgar Winter Group. Number 46 is The Undisputed Truth. And we are currently at number 45. Let's get official. Let's reset here. 45 is an album by War called The World is a Ghetto. I've always heard about this record. And of course, we've all heard The Cisco Kid. And that's the first track on the record. So once again, it made me think that that's what the whole record was going to be like. But it's very jammy, it's very jazzy, but it can be funky and soulful as well. It's got a good meaning behind it. So, you know, it was kind of like one of those things where I almost had to listen to it like a critic. Because anytime a record throws me off like that, even just a little bit, I don't want to have any kind of prejudices, you know, going into like making this like, okay, how is the actual song, you know? And then you then you get into like, how is the overall record at the end of it? That's how I do it at least. But it was pretty good, like I said pretty good vibe once once you know what you're getting into then you'll have a better time with this record for sure and for me in my taste i think 45 out of 50 is about right for this and honestly kind of the longer songs are kind of some of the better highlights of the record so i'm going to do kind of the non-obvious rock strikes 10 thing here and go with the obvious song so yes playing the opening track just because i feel like you almost can't do a 72 retrospective without playing this song and i'm a little hypocritical because i didn't play frankenstein or free ride earlier but you know, I, I don't know. That's just how my mind works. It's like a laser. So, to represent the world as a ghetto, this is the Cisco Kid.
All right. Number 45 was the album The World is a Ghetto by War. And that, of course, was the Cisco Kid, the most famous song off of that record. Now we move on to something decently obscure. I played this band and this song, actually, on the show years ago. And I specifically remember Alternate Universe Classic Rock. I remember being inspired by a Classic Rock magazine article. They were talking about this band, and that's what led me to buying the recently reissued CD of these guys and going, wow, this is really cool. I can't believe this is really like the first time I'm hearing about them. But even at this point in 1972, this was basically it for the band. This is their sophomore album and their last album. This is a power trio called Dust, and the album is called Hard Attack. H-A-R-D. So if you don't know anything about Dust, I'll give you the little Reader's Digest Wikipedia kind of thing here. It's a power trio. It's Richie Wise, Kenny Aronson, and Mark Bell. Now, all these guys have interesting contributions to music post-Dust, after the breakup. So honestly, the band breaking up leads to a chain reaction of arguably the two coolest and most influential bands of the 70s happening because of this i feel like that's the case so if dust doesn't exist the 70s are not nearly as cool as they were okay so hear me out so after the band breaks up the vocalist richie wise he teams up with dust manager and the guy that wrote a lot of their songs if not most of their songs this guy kenny kerner they go on to be a production team. They work on stories. You know, Brother Louie, yeah. Louie, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. You, you probably know that, especially if you were alive in the 70s or you listened to oldies radio growing up, like I did. So that happened, and because of that success, they got in good, you know, with like Kama Sutra Records, which turned to Casablanca basically at one point, or because of that and they started producing the initial Kiss albums. So I believe that even though some people are critical of the production that Kerner and Wise do on those first two Kiss albums, it's definitely important enough that if those two albums don't even get made or even have something going for it, then Kiss doesn't really happen. So that all being said, okay, that's that story. So Richie's like the least famous guy, but he did a lot of cool shit. The second most famous guy in the band, Kenny Aronson, the bass player, he wound up playing bass for like Rick Derringer after he left Edgar Winter Group and went solo and did Rock and Roll Hoochie and all that cool stuff. So he was basically Rick Derringer's bass player throughout his entire solo career initially. He has credits on a lot of cool records. And I think probably the coolest record he played on as a bass player was Michael Monroe's Not Faking It. Gotta hand it to him for that one. And Kenny Aronson is the A in HSAS, that Sammy Hagar, Neil Sean supergroup. So... Yeah, that, and then, of course, the drummer, Mark Bell, which, once Dust breaks up, he joins Richard Hell and the Voidoids, they put out Blank Generation, and that's cool upon itself, but then this Mark Bell guy, later on, would become Marky Ramon. So, you got these ties into all these killer acts, main eventing that, Kiss and the Ramones, and those, like, yeah, the two coolest 70s bands, for sure, okay. So that kind of all happens because of this little band called Dust out of the East Coast, out of New York City. And like I said, they got the two albums, self-titled, Dust and Heart Attack. That's the one we're talking about here. There's no, actually, I don't see a release date for it in my notes here. I, I see that it was co-produced by Kenny Kerner and Kenny Aronson, the two Kennys. Uh, and, and so I have the two albums on one CD thing, the reissue from about a decade ago. I wish I'd have bought the vinyl because it's cool enough for vinyl for sure. First one's pretty good. It's almost kind of a psychedelic hard rock kind of thing. Kind of like not as good, but kind of sniffing the Bebop Deluxe kind of vibe. 
But the second one's really cool, and that's the one I think that gets the attention as far as like, hey, these are the early stages of true heavy metal, like heavy metal, like non-bluesy metal, like the stuff that Judas Priest perfected. So this album, Heart Attack, is really neat. It's not a perfect album. It's not one of those like, oh my God, you know, it's not like the first Sabbath or anything, but it's got flashes of brilliance. And this is one of those songs you definitely want to put on a comp as like the songs that made heavy metal what it is, in a sense. Someone, enough people heard this and were like, wow, I'm sure it was influential for sure. So enough talking. Here is Dust from the Heart Attack record, and this track is called Suicide. Turn it up.
what a killer performance caught on tape right there. Dust with Suicide from the album Heart Attack. It just Everybody's on on that. The rhythm section's killing it. And killer vocals right there by Richie. Man, so it's cool while it lasted. Like I said, I wish the entire album was kind of as good as that track. But like I said, it's got some good stuff on it. It's just not a perfect album. But I suppose if it had been a perfect album, then the band would have stayed together and the effects of that would have been disastrous, <laughs> as weird as that sounds. But also, the true shock value of that record, and also like the Richard Hell record that I spoke of, just to hear Marky Ramone do fills, that's shocking unto itself. But okay, moving on here. Coming in at number 43, and I'm going to do this a handful of times during the countdown, and I'll bring it up if I can remember. But it's kind of a shared entry. Because there's a handful of acts that actually put out two records in the calendar year of 1972. And for the purposes of as much inclusion as possible, and I want to represent as many unique artists as possible, I I don't think, except for maybe one exception, that I will space out the records on two different positions. In some instances, I will kind of average out their scores, if you will, and then I'll tell you what the best record of the two is. That's how I'm going to roll in this countdown. You may not think that's fair, but it's my countdown and we can big up this artist and talk about their two records, but I will, like I said, point out the better of the two. And these workhorses right here really early on in their career had two records out, one at the beginning and one at the end of the year. Of course, cool. And the gang put out their album, good times, which is their third album preceded by their second album. Music is the message from earlier in the year. But Good Times is the one that really, I think, should make the highest entry on the countdown out of the two. It is a self-produced album, and like their previous album, it's about a half hour long, and, you know, it's a fun party record. I think the songs are a lot more here on Good Times, so if you're going to pick one of the two, I'd recommend Good Times. Easy to remember. Great simple title right here. And another way to kind of send that sentiment home is by playing the title track. So here you go. Make some room on the dance floor for Cool and the Gang. All right.
definitely the absolute number one funk slash soul slash R&B band that has not been inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Just further proves how out to lunch they are because Cool and the Gang has all the hits, the sales to back it up, still playing gigs to this day. I mean, they're one of the greatest bands of all time. They really are. And that's one of their great records right there. Cool and the Gang with good times. I love them, so yeah. And I had a good time listening to the record. I know that's a little redundant, but there you have it. Coming in at number 42, something completely different. This is probably one of the least heralded records of this band's entire catalog. But it may be my favorite of them all. Well, I mean, that's not really fair to say. I do really massively appreciate the first incarnation of this band as well, but we're basically dealing with the second wave of Fleetwood Mac here in 1972. And this album right here, Bare Trees. Now, you know, I, I don't rock the Mac a whole lot on Rock Strikes 10 because honestly, I'm not that big of a fan. I like them pretty well, but I think they're massively overrated nowadays because I don't know why people love them so goddamn much till this day. I mean, it's fine, whatever. This is one of my go-to things for my, if I get into any kind of music snobbery, you know, conversations or whatever. So Rumors still sells really well. Yeah, the songs are there, but the reason why it's such a monster, maybe even now more than ever, it's a commentary on like modern day kids that think they're into rock and roll. But in truth, they don't really want that heavy of a guitar sound and they don't really like to rock. So Rumors is a perfect album for people like that, that want to claim that they like rock music, but they don't want the volume up that high. But anyway, we're not in 1977, we're in 1972, and we're into a good record right here. Like I said, Bear Trees, and yes, you've got the core principle of Fleetwood Mac here with Christine McVie, John McVie, and McFleetwood, but up front you've got Danny Kerwin and the late great Bob Welch, that guy, massive talent, wrote some amazing songs. And also, I, I'm a Christine guy. You know, Christine versus Stevie, I'm Christine all the way. Christine had better songs, better singing voice. Her, She's only guilty of sitting behind a piano and not waving around a tambourine and, and acting like an idiot. So, and, and also being a diva. Okay, but yes, Christine's great. She's awesome on this record. Bob Welch really hits it home. Everybody just sounds really good on this record. This is, uh, and I'm not going to front, this is a soft rock record and a half. There's Fleetwood Mac from the Peter Green era is already long gone by this point. It was long gone before Stevie and Lindsay came into the group, and I like Lindsay too. But yeah, I love Bob, but he's in my soft rock hall of fame. I mean, killer songwriter. You're going to hear it with this track right here. This is a Bob Welch song all the way. So much so that when he went solo... He knew this song was so goddamn good, he put it on his first solo album and had a hit with it, which rightfully so. It's a killer song. So if you were around in the mid-70s when Bob Welch was riding high with his initial solo album, then you might know this song, but you may not know this version. So here you go. To represent the Bear Trees album by Fleetwood Mac, here is the OG version of Sentimental Lady.
That's why I've traveled far. Cause I come so together where you are. Yeah, and all of the things that I said that I wanted come rushing by in my head when I'm with you. soft rock right there but that's quality soft rock or if you want to call it yacht rock that's cool too i'm into it but yeah sentimental lady by fleetwood mac lead vocals and writing there by the late great bob welch go check out the version also on his solo album and you'll of course hear ebony eyes on there it's just that's killer stuff but not and like i said i like bear trees not a perfect album, but it might be my favorite Fleetwood Mac album. And not to sound like a contrarian, because if I was go- also if I was going to be like a snob about Fleetwood Mac, I would just say, yeah, Peter Green or nothing. But man, that middle era stuff, that stuff's important. And I remember Bob Welch is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Fleetwood Mac, which is a goddamn travesty. Don't believe me? Ask Mick Fleetwood. I like that he spent his time up there saying that Bob Welch should be up there with all their names because no Bob Welch, that band doesn't go on. So, Hey, take it from the guy that was there from day one. That's all I got to say about that. And speaking of stuff, that's not said nearly enough. 
I've noticed this year in the conversation of, you know, hey, 1972 is badass. And, you know, like I said, I'm not disagreeing with it still, but something that isn't being celebrated nearly enough, you know, outside the bubble of the band is the fact that one of the all-time greatest rock bands, whether in the studio or on that damn stage, they're celebrating their 50th year of putting out records because... Honestly, this band's been around since the mid-60s, from what I recall in my readings. So they're closer to 60 years as a band than 50 at this point. You might think I'm talking about like the Beach Boys or something, but I'm not. Talking about the greatest band to come out of Germany. The Scorpions. Scorpions! Man, they're celebrating their 50th year as a professional recording artist in this year. That's amazing to think. So, in February, at least on the German side of things, in February of 72, their first album drops. It's called Lonesome Crow. It's not the shot across the bow that, you know, the first, I always say the first Black Sabbath album, but you know what I'm saying. Like the first Ramones, Black Sabbath, Zeppelin, what have you. It's not that shot, so that's probably why they're not getting the love this year. Because it, it took them a couple of records to really figure their thing out. But that doesn't mean that Lonesome Crow is a waste of time. It's different, for sure. The Scorpions you know and love, not really that present on this record. It's definitely got a lot of experimentation going on here. I mean, you, you got to think, these are guys that were gigging during the psychedelic era. So all this crazy, jammy, psychedelic stuff is still going on here. It's the early 70s. They still haven't figured out what this decade is, honestly. And that goes for pretty much everybody. So only a handful of people have figured their shit out by this point in the decade. And that's just the way culture goes. But I'm happy the Scorpions are on this list. I don't think I ranked them in any kind of bias. I think this is an absolute right-on position for this record. Coming in at number 41 out of 50. Feel free to debate me if you want. It's just my opinion. But I would say out of the entire album... It's almost all worth it just for this one song right here. And this is probably the only song that has really kind of made it over the years that they may even acknowledge or maybe even play every now and then. I, I don't know. I don't. But it's a killer track, and it's really the first sign of what they would become. So here you go. To represent Lonesome Crow, albeit not entirely truthfully. <laughs> but here you go. Closing off the show today and part one of our top 50 countdown for the albums of 1972. We're finishing off today with the Scorpions from their debut album, and this song is called In Search of the Peace of Mind.
Yeah, how about that right there? You ever heard that before? It's pretty wild if you haven't. But there you go. Closing off the show today, that was the Scorpions with the song In Search of the Peace of Mind from their debut album, Lonesome Crow. I actually have that on vinyl. I've got, I don't have it with the original cover on there, but I feel like the one I have has a cooler cover. It's kind of more of a Roger Dean-esque kind of cover, which definitely fits the overall feel and nature of the album. But the original cover is cool too, but... Yeah, even though it's not a perfect album, it does prove something that Klaus Mina has one of the most powerful voices of all time, and it's there right there from day one. Uh, just looking over the notes here on my record, just <laughs> the lineup of the band. You'll you'll see some familiar names, but a lot of them not so much. You got Klaus right there up front, of course. Rudolf Schenker, still in the band. Michael Schenker, not so much in the band anymore. Kind of a dick now. Then you got... On bass, this guy, Lothar Heimberg. And on drums, Wolfgang Zizoni. Zizoni. <laughs> uh, first take right there. Brilliant. And uh, the guy that produced the album, I had to look this up, but this guy, his name is Connie Plank. And he's well known as a German producer for a lot of post-punk, early new wave kind of bands. Krautrock stuff like Kraftwerk and Noi. Did some stuff with the Eurythmics. So this guy has a great resume, but he also, and probably because of location, produced the first Scorpions album. Pretty cool. That's really cool stuff. That's going to do it for this part here, the first part of the Top 50 Albums of 1972. Join me for numbers 40 through number 1, of course. And for everything else, stay tuned for the new plugs featuring my better half, Nola, followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. 
We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on SiriusXM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.